Listeners everywhere, welcome to The Movie Show with Joel and Ryan, the weekly fix for your screen addiction and a trusted source for discussion of all things film and television. Please keep in mind that for the purposes of this podcast, Joel and Ryan are not acting as journalists, but rather fellow moving picture enthusiasts. All of their opinions should be taken as such. Also, please be warned that while Joel and Ryan may seem like petulant children, they are, in fact, adults who may occasionally use adult language. While they promise to keep out all the worst words, it's a good bet you will still understand what they were saying. And now, with no further ado, here's Joel and Ryan. Welcome, welcome back, welcome back. Because you know, I, I it would be it is you know these are our gear and review shows, and so I'm assuming you probably have just been waiting on tinter hooks to just to have like what movies are they going to talk about now? Well, we're here. Yeah. Welcome, welcome to the movie show with Joel and Ryan. I am Joel, and I'm Ryan, and we are so happy. Uh, to be back again. Great to see my my good friend Ryan, albeit virtually. Um, we, you know, you know, hey, it's quite a world out there. But you know what? That world, when the world gives you lemons, you watch movies and squirt the lemons in your eye mm-hmm. so that you can cry. Um, anywho, <laughs> I don't. I have no idea what that was. It makes you cry. Um, That's no lie. Yeah, that's true. Yep. Um, all right. So we, yes, so we are, uh, we are back. We are um, continuing our discussion of the uh, year in movies for 2021. Um, uh, most of these movies, uh, pretty much all of these movies uh, were, you know, had releases, um, in, uh, you know, like streaming or a digital um, uh, release on some platform uh, as well as in a movie theater, uh, very few of these like just said, nope, movie theater, just doing yeah. it. Yeah, if we get um, to a couple, there are a couple, but if we get to some, there are a couple. We'll, we'll mention them. But yeah, it's everybody was, it wasn't day and date or you, they were released on demand so that you kind of had to pay movie mm-hmm. prices for them, some of them. Um, some of these were festival, a lot of these were festival movies that had no festivals to premiere at. Um, so they made these sort of little rounds until they came out, but it's this is basically all the movies I watched, mm-hmm. you know, last year, and and there's some conspicuous ones missing from our next couple episodes, but we might bring those up too, just to acknowledge that they're out there because there were, especially near the end of the year, there were a lot of, as Joel said, sort of stubbornly movie theater only releases mm-hmm. and we actually appreciate the existence of those but not enough yep. to go see them joel saw one that'll come up during i the, did during the i ventured out i ventured out and essentially with a hazmat suit on and <laughs> and i said ah i'm gonna see it joel um, saw one. i did not but i saw a hundred other ones that i saw a different <laughs> way so, true that's true so i went um <laughs> real quick before we start um if if uh, dear listeners, if you remember, uh, our like a few of our episodes that we've done where we've talked about home video 
and Ryan, you know, Ryan's home video roundup and, and uh, you know, it's video, it's what you want to watch. Um, I, I, you know, one of the things that one of my, one of my favorite uh, things that we've ever talked about was Ryan uh, talking about physically owning a DVD or a Blu-ray or, or a CD versus, just having it streaming or purchasing it and but only having it on a uh, on a digital platform uh there was a great article in rolling stone this week um speaking to that now it, it speaks specifically to compact discs and music but uh you know i think it's applicable to to um a lot of time a lot of types of consumer media um so i i just want you know and it, and it it bears out a lot of what ryan was saying has been saying for years um, and so I just want to uh, bring to your attention that article in Rolling Stone. It's in this month's Rolling Stone. <clears throat> and also, once again, to just say, you know, hey, this is what you get with the movie show with Joel and Ryan. You get cutting edge, wow. uh, just, you know, diatribes and discussions. Um, so, no, but it's, it's it's really interesting. And, and you know, and, and it's, you know, Ryan is not... Uh, uh, Ryan is not a, a singular being. There are others who who do indeed uh, share his 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 thoughts about. It's very um, complicated, but the yeah. gist of it, the gist of the argument is, and the Rolling Stone article is fantastic. But the gist of the argument is, is that you know it's, uh, the the article is really specifically like a pro CD article, which is weird because that's even people who right. buy lots of media don't buy CDs anymore. They buy albums, basically. Um, it goes into the differences and stuff into it, but it, the, the, the CD was, were a great way for record companies and artists to make money. And Spotify, the only Spotify, I'm singling them out because they're amongst the worst and they're amongst the most used both, which, you know, mm -hmm. but they're, it's really all streaming services, some version of this. They are really only, um, the only people they make money are the shareholders of Spotify. You know, if you're listening to Elton John on Spotify, okay, Elton has all his money. Like he grew up when records, <laughs> the media were sold and yeah. he's, he's a gajillionaire. You don't have to feel bad for him, but anyone who's coming up now who isn't and literally it's you can count there's like 15 of them who isn't beyonce or who isn't uh swift or who isn't adele you know somebody who really does move a ton of digital content yeah. you're nobody and there's no way to make a living and when they took the bars and concerts away i mean and they just they're killing the music essentially and yep. that's the sad thing about it. So it's 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 not to guilt people who conveniently stream music, and we don't guilt people who conveniently stream movies. As I said, one hundred percent of these movies were streamed by me, and it's <laughs> like I get it, you know. Although, although the revenue streams in the Hollywood sense and in a distribution sense are much much better for movies than they are for music. If you're a an artist. And you can get a hundred thousand listens. I mean, it just doesn't pay you anything. It just doesn't pay you anything. Right. It pays you a pile of nickels. And 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 that's that's gonna make uh, music like non corporate sponsored music just wither away and die on the vine. Not all of it. Some people will persist, but it it's a it's a bummer. Yeah. It's a bummer that yeah. even if you're a big fan of somebody, if you just sort of 
searching for them on your phone and listening to them like they just get nothing from that that there's no connection between you and the artist anymore um but rolling stone maybe we'll post it there's a bunch of other ones out there there's some fun infographics about music streaming sites but we sort of avoid the music i pitched to joel that we should do uh, 120 <laughs> billy joel songs in 120 minutes he thought i was kidding but i think that'd be a fun show <laughs> yeah um we could do it just get, two minutes a as song. long as we also as long as we also do 120 billy joel problematic rants in 120 minutes problematic um, rants rants like yeah his you know he's that's kind of what he's known for now is he you know his his he just goes on these weird yeah yeah he's an old crabby and, uh, guy and he was that anyway he had better yeah. he had good sense not to do that back in the day but he does mm -hmm. some nice things he said that um what's her face was like the beatles and stuff she he was sticking up for some modern artists out there and stuff i like that mm. but yeah he's he but yeah I, whatever i don't mind i mean I, <laughs> it's still it, it might still be fun it might be a fun thing to do but the uh, nice thing about know, it is that you guys would know a lot of the songs as we went along which it's, true. It, it's not true that's for true. everyone is that 120 songs true. is literally how many songs he has that includes four covers it's every song yep and it, that's it's a great box set yeah it's yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, and and we, Joel, Joel we used to love about... him growing up, and I used to love him growing up, yep. and we we're both sort of. I mean, it's been since '93 that he put new music yeah. out, so we both sort of tempered on him. But I still think that'd be a fun roll through the past yep. that a lot of people could relate to. And it would been. allow me to. It would allow me to tell my story of when uh, my wife and I saw him and Elton John at Madison Square Garden the night before he checked himself. Two into minutes rehab. per song. You've already told that story <laughs> and you well, all have you'll I... have time to do is re refer back to it. So the, uh, but sure, okay, when people say, good. why don't you guys do music shows? We could say, hey, Billy Joel show, go check it out. All right. And then well, tell us maybe... if you want us to do more. <laughs> yeah i don't you know we won't we won't cover amplifier fire his uh you know the, the album with attila um we won't we could know, have an attila special edition version of the show come out later <laughs> yeah that's the true. expanded we, we, edition <laughs> 134 billy joel songs in 134 minutes or something we'll uh, uh, all right well that, that of course is uh, you want to hear that show this is your chance if not one of yeah. you write in that probably won't happen but i think it might be might be groovy so it would be kind of silly um all right so let's get into 2021 uh more of our year in review um and let's start out with um some quarantine comedy yeah and um didn't watch uh, many comedies, don't really watch many comedies, but, and yeah. these aren't even all strictly comedies. One of them's barely a comedy, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. First up is uh, Lady of the Manor. Um, we had, you know, with, uh, let's Justin see. Justin Long uh, and his brother made a movie yep. during COVID when it first broke out with a small group of people. It's an extremely small movie. It only yep. has a couple of locales and stuff. And, um, and it's cute. It's it's um, Melanie Linsky. I, 
Do you have the IMDb thing up? Because it's it's a yep. hilarious summation of what the movie is. Oh yeah, this this one this one sentence. It's fantastic. Yeah. A flatulent, aimless ne'er do well becomes a tour guide in a historic estate and winds up befriending the manor's resident ghost. <laughs> Played by Judy Greer, Melanie Linsky yeah, and Judy Greer. Greer are really funny in it. I mean, it's yeah, it's a cheap, stupid movie with a bunch of stupid gags. It's it's not very good, and it it has its sort of dark heart for the light kind of comedy that it wants to be. Um, but it was entertaining. Like I laughed a lot at it. I don't think I'll ever watch it again, but. I laughed a lot at it. I, I laughed at mm-hmm. a couple of the bloopers in the in the end credits, which I never do. So you just not since Bugs Life anyway. So you should <laughs> yeah. just kinda it, it it it's it is that. It's Judy Greer plays this the lady of the manor, this this uptight person from another era who's mm-hmm. haunting this manor. And Melanie's just really, really funny. I mean, she's a really, really funny actor. And she just plays this Gen X loser, basically. She has this big argument with her boyfriend at the very beginning of the movie because she delivers drugs to people, and he calls her a drug dealer. And she goes, I'm not a drug dealer. I'm a drug deliverer. <laughs> She's like, she has <laughs> she has this drug, uh, like, Uber business on the side, which is just enough for her to make enough money to sit around and eat cheese puffs and watch TV all day. Right. There's a there's a running gag throughout that normally I would hate where she just keeps trying to escape to some safe spot where she could fart. And every single time <laughs> it's always inhabited by somebody just out of sight who gets to experience the whole thing. That's really, <laughs> really dumb, but it it it's it was funny. It was genuinely yeah. funny. Uh, Ryan Philippe too is hilarious in it. He's you know, um with uh, he has to play it straight, which is a hard thing to do, and he does a really, really right. good job. Um, Justin, as usual, self, you know, he has a very agreeable screen presence. He's pretty dull in it, but again, he's mm-hmm. he's he's got to kind of play straight man to to Melanie's character, you know. But the yep. thing really comes alive when when the two women are on screen together doing this investigation and stuff, and it it. Yeah. subverts a lot of fun like a lot of cliches about well you know we're gonna solve the thing or whatever they just don't know the and have the first clue of what they're doing and we we wouldn't either and all those little yep. bits and things sort of ring true in our fun so lady of the manor if you like if you like uh if you think you could like a film where farting is like the first thing mentioned in the synopsis then it is then, then this is this is one that I can actually sort of endorse. It's if you yourself are a flatulent, aimless ne'er do well, you might enjoy this. The, the filmmaking's not good. It, it really is just yeah. one camera, point and shoots, dull. And I a lot yeah. goes into making a movie. So forgive me, Long Brothers, if I'm being you know oversimplifying oversimplifying the process. But it is. It really did look like a cheap, crappy TV show. But the jokes yeah. kept rolling, and they were fairly clever. And Melanie Linsky's uh, just a treasure on screen. And she's having a bit of a comeback now with Yellow Jackets and some other things. Yeah. And that's great, because she's yeah. she's not she, a conventional she leading lady, but she's fantastic. No, but she is really, uh, really talented, really funny. Yeah. Um, all right. Next up is uh, the movie Locked Down. Next up is Locked Down. That's how I should have done it. Damn it. The Locked Down. Yeah. Locked Down is the I mean, ultimate. Get, 
COVID yeah. comedy of, of its day. It, it, this movie was written by somebody who knows what they're doing. Again, no, no offense, Longs. <laughs> I did it. Endorse your movie. I don't know what else you want from me. Um, the but you know you guys are just goofing goofing about. Stephen Knight is yep, a really yep, yep. he's written some bonkers scripts that are in some bad films, but he's written some of the best screenplays in the modern era. He's one of the best screenwriters working, and he's tried to write this story about this couple that was on the verge of divorce. Uh, played by Chuitella Kiafor and who's the woman in it? Uh, Anne, Hathaway. Anne Hathaway. And they just find themselves just literally about to sign the papers when they are just sort of trapped and have to stay and live with each other because of the because the early days of COVID prevent them from going out. And there's so there's a mm-hmm. lot of because the writing is good. There's a lot of metaphor in it. There's a bunch of monologues. There's a bunch of Zoom meetings with her and her her co-workers and stuff she has to fire her whole team basically over zoom which is heartbreaking and awful um but it's darkly funny as well i mean that the film is a comedy but what it is more than that is it's a heist movie they get it into this their head because of two things that are happening in their lives to steal this precious thing i won't really go into what it is or how they're gonna do it but the last act, the heist, opens the thing up quite a bit and and makes it feel like, well, you know, this is a real movie. But this movie annoyed people. This was a fun movie for people to just dismiss. It has very, very low viewer ratings. So, you know, you may find it cloying and annoying, which it is to some degree. But I I encourage people to look harder. I think each scene and each sort of segment is, is a rather well thought out evaluation about yeah. not just sort of the um, the death of a modern relationship which is not necessarily a fun thing to watch but but about what we were going through culturally and and about the sort of unfeelingness of detachment and you get that in two ways i mean it's like i say it's very clever it's, it's a smart writer and yeah. And it worked pretty well, even though they are annoying. These characters are kind of awful, and it it is it can be a frustrating movie. I thought it would. I thought for how hard it was panned, it it was much much smarter than people were giving hmm. it credit for, or willing yeah. to just not willing. I think to engage with it on that level. I think they wanted a romantic, you know, heist film, which right. it, it kind of is, but it really stubbornly refuses to be just that so yeah i'm trying to trying to see uh where hbo now, max okay here's the deal you see that. yeah no but like sonic the hedgehog wasn't actually in this was it somebody has put sonic the hedgehog as a cast member <laughs> in this movie. uh i don't want to say for sure that he wasn't and not not in a way that okay. i really noticed but you know All there's right. There's a video game aspect to lockdown that Okay. So maybe that maybe that's why they had someone had someone thought to credit it. Okay. Maybe. I was like, what? what? I, I don't um, I'm not sure. Maybe it's just a joke, but I Yeah. I, I'm just I'm trying to what I'm trying sure. to find I'm trying to find the release date. Oh yeah, because it came yeah, it came out right away. Uh it's you know, this was one of the first uh sort of COVID y films that you know, like the it's the third HBO was released, third? whatever. Yeah, um, right, right after I, Little Things, which we'll talk about, and mm-hmm. Judas and the Black Messiah, which we've already talked about. 
Yeah, I, I yeah, but, but it I came out mean, like, early the first, in the year. Early no, but I mean, I meant the first, like the first movie to like take place in our COVID world. Yeah, and and I wonder if that's one of the reasons why people didn't see it is because they didn't want to, you know, they they were really looking for escape or looking to be in a different time or or whatever. Uh, you know, who who knows why it's, why it wouldn't. It's I a really smart going, movie, and it knows it's smarter than you, and that can be right. annoying. <laughs> I mean, that can be not everybody likes that. You know, I I I dug it for that reason primarily because the rest of it didn't do a whole lot for me. But you know, Anne Hathaway and Chiwetel, are, and there's a whole bunch of other really other good performers in this film. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a fantastic scene where Ben Kingsley is giving they're they're handing out a name to Chiwetel and the name that they give him is Edgar Allan Poe. And he's like, you can't call me Edgar Allan Poe. He that's a famous person. And Kingsley's on the other side of the Zoom call. And he's like, uh, I don't I don't think so. And, and they have this big <laughs> argument and he's like, who well who gave you that? So you didn't just come up with that on your own. Who told you that? And he's like, oh uh you know Sam or whatever. And he's like, well that that's it. He's just making fun of me or whatever. I'm not gonna walk around and Sam Edgar Allan Poe to people. You're making this impossible. It's just hilarious. And Kingsley's just, he's really yeah. funny. He's barely in it, but he's really, really funny in it. And that conversation is really just absurd and funny. Mm -hmm. And it, it, the movie's full of stuff like that. That's really smart humor, but, but it's not, it, it isn't like farting in the Dean's office and then having them appear behind their desk. Like that's, that makes me laugh in a totally different kind of way. You gotta, you gotta engage yep. with lockdown a little bit, and even then, it's only so good. It's not like it's some great masterpiece of a film, but, right? But it, it's much better than its reputation. I thought I was surprised how good it was, and then when I saw the credits, I said, "Oh, Scott Stephen Knight wrote this." Stephen Knight yeah. wrote. I mean, the list is as long as my arm, but he wrote some of my favorite films: "Dirty Pretty Things." Mm -hmm. Eastern Promises. I mean, Eastern Promises is one of my favorite scripts of all time. Truly, it's just it's pr almost perfect. And yeah. uh, Joel could name a couple more that are really, really awesome. Yeah, I mean, P Peaky Blinders is one of the main guys behind Peaky Blinders. Yeah, um, he wrote that uh, fantastic. Uh, I, I thought it was really fantastic, really dark, creepy Christmas Carol that was on FX. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I dug that. Yeah, see. Um, uh serenity girl in the spider's web uh yeah you could go see. back way go go back yeah, further I'm, you're yeah I'm, serenity was terrible. amazing grace dirty pretty things amazing pretty uh, amazing grace is great we talked about that on the michael yep. apted show yep um yeah uh <laughs> um redemption uh close circuit lock 100 foot journey pawn Sager, seventh son that's good. Um, it's good stuff. Yep. Locke is good. Locke is just Tom Hardy in his car talking on his phone for an hour and a half. Yeah, yeah it's an experiment. You know, it's kind of like this. It's it's you don't. Sure. It's not like oh, it's some great movie, but it's like wow, they pulled this off. It is actually a movie, and all you ever are is having phone conversations with somebody driving across England. It's amazing that it works at all. So he's a oh. clever writer. Um, all right. Next up is uh, the show. Um, this one is uh, from yeah, the mind Alan Moore. Alan Moore. Alan Moore writing a movie on purpose instead of just having one of his comic books ruined in the movies. Um, 
It's weird, man. This is a weird film. It's about it's all about dreams and it's, it's all, there's this disconnect in reality. Uh, Tom Burke, who's a fantastic actor, um, he was on. He's about to. He was. He played Orson Welles in Mank. I guess that's his most high-profile thing that he's done recently. But oh, sure, yeah. He's about to break through in a major way. In into you're going to know who he is, even if you don't. He he was in the BBC's Three Musketeers show. He's on the fantastic mystery show with Holiday Granger, whose name I'm forgetting, but I I adore it. Um. It's from mm-hmm. the little, the weird little uh, mystery short stories that J.K. Rowling wrote. I just can't remember what it's called, but it's fantastic. Um, so you should check uh, that out. That's on demand. That whole show is on demand on HBO. What's it called? I'm looking here. Musketeers, War and Peace. He's great in War and Peace too. But it's this is recent. I mean, this would yeah, this would have just happened. This is since all that stuff. Um, well, CB Strike. Uh, CB Strike, think that's the name of the character who solves mysteries. You can see why I forgot the name. Oh, CB yeah. Strike. That's his name. He's a he's an ex military guy who starts a pri- a failing private detective agency, and one day he's sent to temp from the secretary of pool who who really takes to solving mysteries, and the two of them become this team, mm. and. And the the two those two actors are great, and the mysteries are genuinely fun. Like if you like Sherlock or you like stuff like that, this watch it. It's really really good. Um, thank you for finding the name. Sorry, folks, that I couldn't remember it, but it's a name that's a name. No wonder I couldn't remember. Um, right. anyway, back to the show. Uh, it's weird. Alan Moore plays himself in it, and he gives himself not really himself, but he plays a version of himself. He gives himself a song to sing and he gives himself this it's hard to explain but the the moon makeup you know where the pompadour comes way out and the beard comes way out so that your whole profile is a crescent moon oh sure yeah yeah we've seen that makeup in different sort of fantasy settings before and he's amazing in it but it's really just burke going from place to place experiencing some weird absurdity after another and by the time it's over he solves the problem of the story, but he doesn't really solve the mystery of the story. And that's sort of the, that's sort of the, yeah, a man's search, a man's search for a stolen artifact leads him to the haunted town filled with voodoo gangsters, masked adventurers, depression era, private eyes and violent, uh, chioscuro women. It's a weird low budget English film, but it's got a lot of, fun stuff in it and alan moore is a very very clever guy so this is another one this whole list of these probably aren't super on your radar maybe maybe locked down because of the star power behind it perhaps mm-hmm. but but uh you know but then when you look up and you see the two and a half out of five stars you probably skip that one once i can understand <laughs> um this one's weird you got to really like weird movies it's it's weird david lynchian kind of film truly it's it's an odyssey into weird dark places without without the masterful filmmaking techniques to back it up and that's really what it's missing it's very creative and the people who worked on it you know the makeup and the settings are fantastic but it's all kind of shot 
a little deliberately and boring and that mm-hmm. that brings it down a few pegs in my estimation and makes it more of a curiosity rather than a some sort of hidden gem but it's still quite good the storytelling smart alan moore is a an interesting storyteller and um it's got tons of references to other movies, other mostly horror movies, but some other things in it that are very, very interesting. It's got great Christopher Fairbanks, who I always love. Anytime Chris shows up in something, God, I love him so much. One of the best. And now he's he's looks ancient. Every time I see him on screen, he looks older and older and older. <laughs> um, um, but Chris Fairbanks been in a million things. He was he's kind of famous. He plays the weird doctor that brings Mia Jovovich back to life and. Uh, um, fifth element, fifth element. Yeah. But my favorite, but the first time I noticed him and I've seen him in things before this now, the first time I noticed him is he's one of the, he's one of the armed robbers at the beginning of Batman 89. He's the one, he's the one that he's the one with the credit card and he's like the bat. Ah, there's no such thing as the bat. <laughs> he's, he's the guy who says, who are you? You know, and he says, I'm Batman. That's that whole scene is Chris Fairbank totally carrying that scene and just just nursing every line he has in that little tiny batman scene is just perfection and i adore him every time i hear him on like a commentary or something though to hear him talk about acting and to hear him talk about like how ensemble acting is everything and everything he's because he's a theater actor Mm -hmm. primarily even though his his you know his list of of credits is a million miles long. He's the gets to be the villain in this and it's fun. So so it's got a lot going for it. It has a comic booky feel to it, but it's really is trying to be sold as some sort of low budget superhero movie and that really isn't what it is. So beware of that. Mm. Um there's some elements of that, but just beware of that from the maker of V for Vendetta and Watchmen or whatever. Yeah. And you just gotta be like, it's none of those things. It's a very low budget um Odyssey through the seedier sides of uh Northampton, Joel. You'll appreciate that. Oh, very good. Yeah. There you go. Uh and I got to you know learn what Kioscuro means. So <laughs> oh tell us, please, because I don't know. And oh, I watch oh shoot, movie. I just uh <laughs> let's see. Kiros uh, uh treatment of light and shade in drawing and painting. Um uh, cool. Is, yep. An effect of yeah. contrasted light and shadow created by light falling unevenly or from a particular direction on something. It's a lovely, the design of the film is really, really wonderful. That what they, what they clearly didn't have was the time to do complex camera setups and mm-hmm. lighting that was worthy of a mood piece. And they don't quite get that part right. But that's, I think a lot of that is just, you know, you just only had so much time and and money to to do a film like this. I I would be interested in seeing what the filmmakers, the cinematographers, and such do on their next piece if it if it's a more elevated thing. Because he mm-hmm. Alan Moore is enough to get the movie made, but it, it, with the script like this, it, you're, no one was going to throw millions and millions of dollars at you. So it was a it was a passion project, and you feel that in it. I like that. All right, next up is Blythe Spirit. Uh, based on Noel Coward's Blythe Spirit, this uh, is, um, uh, I, I don't have three writers who aren't Noel Coward, so I'm not entirely sure what that means. Um, it means it, it sucks. Um, 
I mean, it, maybe that's not where the suck happened with the th- three writers uh, uh, adapting what's a pretty well-worn story. I'm not even a huge Noel Coward fan to begin with. So what got right. me with this was the idea that I was going to see some handsomely made period film that might have an interesting take on on the, this sort of idea of this guy jumbling these relationships and there's there's a lot going on in it because a lot of you know it's a guy who's um sort of obsessed with his ex-wife who is gone now who's dead and he's married to somebody new and he's a creative person he's a writer himself he's basically no coward that's all no coward films basically have no coward as the star um which is part of why they're kind of awful because he's not the greatest wasn't i mean He's a he gets it's in his work he gets how sort of self-involved and selfish and kind of whatever he is it's, it's yeah. and he it's all an examination of that. Dan Stevens in the title uh, the the main role is is acceptable like he really is doing a nice job but it yeah I he's, found that he's he's a perfect he, he, you know but casting wise he's you know kind of perfect for this role yeah and the other uh, two women are are really good actors too Leslie Mann I want to say and Isla yep, Fisher Leslie Mann and Isla Fisher yeah yeah so okay um, and and but it it and uh, it, it got a well, nice and poster a, and it looked like it would be fun and it just I mm-hmm. hated it it and was it's really, got Dame Judy it's got Dame Judy Dench as well yeah it's, uh, yeah. If you're not familiar with uh, with Blythe Spirit in the in the classic, uh, it's a spiritualist medium who's just a kooky wacky uh, character. That's uh, Dame Judi Dench holds a seance for a writer, Dan Stevens, suffering from writer's block, but accidentally summons the spirit of his deceased first wife, who leads to an increasingly complex love triangle with his current wife of five years. And we've seen so. it. Yeah, and it's hardly a love triangle because none of them really love each other at all. Um, right. That's the part that sucks. That it, it's hard to get into all these sniping and people. The idea is funny. He wants to go to this medium thing because he wants to be inspired to write a uh, another hit mystery sort of about mm-hmm. that. And that was a big, big deal at the end of World War One. We've talked about that on the show before. Mediums and people coming to your house and you know, uh, uh, well over half of a generation of sons were killed in world war one and and didn't come home and people were just desperate to connect with the spirit world and there were just plenty of con artists yeah willing to um exploit that and this film it's really a shame this film super oversimplifies the role of the medium which they got judy dench to play it she's more than capable of doing more Oh really? They just they, yeah. I don't want to ruin it because it. I mean, I guess it's a spoiler for the play and the story more than it is the movie because in the movie none of it nothing ever comes from it. In fact, wow, the movie sets yeah. up that something's gonna that this is kind of happening all along, and then by the, when you get to the end, it and it's not the case, which I think is really yeah. stupid. Um, yeah. but mostly it's just they're just ugly people arguing over ugly things, and you're supposed to enjoy watching them be punished and. That's not fun. That alone is not enough. Yep. That you need to bring some humanity to it. I really do think Dan, in particular, they're all well cast, but I think Dan, in particular, really does uh, trip over himself trying to do that. I just it's not there in the project. It's the project has no heart. 
and that's obvious by the time it's over. And I, it bummed yeah. me out because it's gorgeous. It was actually probably reasonably expensive. It was, you know, the settings, the costumes, the cars, everything's yeah. really, really cool. Yeah, um, it looks sumptuous. It's really, yeah. It's, so um, it, it's just a completely empty enterprise and it bums me out. There's a fun, you know, like his ex-wife, you know, it, any movie, you, if you've ever seen a movie about like, unimaginary friend that you can't get rid of. I mean, that's what this is. He's arguing with her in front of people. People think he's talking to them and they get all upset. It's all this misunderstanding farcical nonsense that has to do with this ghost bugging him. But if you want to see a ghost story, I can't believe I'm saying it, but I, I would see lady in the manor lady of the manor. That's that movie has some really awful stuff in it, but it, <laughs> it, that movie somewhere in there has heart and these people want to be connected to each other. They're not just there to torture each other all, uh, no exit. You know what I mean? They, there's more sure, to sure. it. And that, that makes for something that I can at least accept. Blight spirit is a mercenary exercise in going through the motions of what the story is without finding any of with by, by, actively sidestepping the humanity of the thing whenever possible and that's too bad sure that said sure. it's not it's a spirit world so if somebody gets murdered by accident or whatever you know they pop up as a spirit they don't really go away so there's nothing in it that where you like you feel really bad but i just didn't like it sure um, well, speaking of great literary masterpieces, uh, we are going to enter our next category of our review of 2021 films, and that is uh, Enter the Monsterverse. And this first one is a classic uh, tale of, of literature and popular culture, and it's something that I think everyone <laughs> was waiting for. Uh, was kind of desperate to to fill their you know fill their coffers with, and that of course of course is uh, Godzilla versus Kong. Yeah. Um. I, on the whole, yeah. I think I like Godzilla versus Kong a little bit better than Godzilla uh, King, King of the Monsters or whatever the previous one was. Weirdly, I would agree with that. Um. Because I think it's a further evolution down the track into being mm -hmm. fairly lighthearted monster mashup, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. And it seems to be where the studio really wanted to take this. Two plucky kids, you know, going on an adventure into some conspiracy that's nonsensical and stupid. The The film yep. has a... Although the kids are winning and fun, which helps. That uh, helps. If you got to spend the whole movie with them, that helps a lot. Played by uh, Joel's going to tell us here, Millie Bobby Brown, uh, of course, of Strange. Carried things. over from and, the last uh, film, which is nice. And uh, shoot, which one is this kid? Is it Julian Dennison? I can't remember because he's yeah, Julian Dennison. Yeah, and he's, um, he's from, adorable from, as well. He's from uh, best, probably known from uh, best known for uh, Deadpool two. Uh, and um, yeah, keep keep and, signing up for those sequels, kid. You're going to make it in this business. Um, there he is. Yeah. So, uh, so I don't know. It has a whole, um, it has a night. Kyle Chandler shows up in the bookends of the movie. Again, that I like that it mm -hmm. does its best because it really is another movie. King of Monsters did its best to wipe off the Godzilla off the map as much as it could and be something different. And this movie does the same thing. It tries to 
move on in a totally different way from that previous film. They're just trying to find their way at this point because there's, yeah. and that, well, that ultimately brings you the problem. G Gareth Edwards is Godzilla, which I really thought was awesome, but wasn't really beloved by mass audiences, had a sort of artistic vision for what it wanted to be and how it wanted to show these things amongst us and how it just, to, you know how it used scale to tell the story and i don't want to go relitigate that movie of how awesome it is when people didn't like it jury's out on it but whatever it 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 you can see that there is an assured artistic hand at the helm of it king of monsters on the other hand is just well what crap can we dream up and just keep throwing it at the screen and it's accomplished right. enough in that the effects and stuff are really amazing and and there is an effort to tell a human story about this family in there, but that sense of scale is gone. That family in King in King of Monsters is it. None mm -hmm. of us else matter. All of wherever the big fight is, Chile or Brazil, I can't remember where. But the uh, the whole people of that city, they don't matter. The nothing right. matters except this little Hollywood disaster movie unit, and. And they have all this crazy, stupid drama packed in. And, and the whole ph philosophical fight over nurturing the monsters or fighting them or destroying It's like it's all stupid. And that movie is yeah. ultimately is a big, empty thing. But it, it it's big. It gets that part right. This movie's totally mm -hmm. different. This is like a uh, – they find this – alternate universe or whatever inside the core of the earth. Like this is an idea where this idea is enough for a movie. And uh, what they use it for is just kind of one action sequence, basically. And it's, it's yeah. shameful. It's shameful that you're, <laughs> that you're changing. I mean, the, the way we think of our world into something else and all you can really manage to do with that is a chase scene. It's just, the chase scene's pretty good. I mean, it's an expensive, lavish Hollywood blockbuster, but I mean, are you kidding? That's it. It's obvious which characters are going to be thrown to the wolves because they're dicks. Mm -hmm. And it's obvious that you're, that your heroes, if they show any sort of ingenuity or, kindness to each other are absolutely not in danger. So then all you got to do is kick back. I can't remember where the end takes place, Singapore or Hong Kong or something, some big giant Asian metropolis. Yeah. Um, and again, the two monsters just duke it out who are both ostensibly our heroes and just obliterate the city. It's just, it's got, it has more giant, colorful skyscrapers falling in it than even Man of Steel had. And it, to me, that's like, and some sort of dialogue about, well, the city's mostly evacuated. Oh, good. So it's just the buildings that sure. we have. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's like you don't even have the power of your convictions that these things cause real damage. The evacuation scene in the original Godzilla where they're getting on buses and families are being separated and you get this sense that there's humans involved in this thing they that movie does that really really well that scene where they're all skydiving down to it into san francisco to attack the thing and they're so mm -hmm. tiny they're these tiny tiny little things like i i loved stuff like that and there's nothing like that in these sequels and this film i again i thought was better because i thought tonally this film's just lark and it's fun and the kids are cute and you can kind of have fun with it if you can get over how dull 
the 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 Rock'em Sock'em finale is. I mean, uh, yeah. if there are people online go. They're like, finally a movie where the monster. You know, this is like it. Yeah. It. I, I guess I'm wrong, but because that's finally giving the quote fans what they want, but the fans of this sort of thing aren't enough to make a big giant hit movie. And I don't know where the MonsterVerse goes from here. I skipped yeah. Kong Skull Island altogether, but you know, again, that was a movie that had I, yeah, a consistent thought... approach to the material that I thought, okay, mm-hmm. at least I don't, I'm not loving every choice they're making here, but I get it. Um, these yeah. last two are just get, get some kid, Get some comic book kid to write and direct these this crap. Just throw it on up there. And if as long as you put enough... Because the big complaint about Godzilla was it's not enough Godzilla in it. I don't know how you can watch that movie and think that. There's, there's yeah. more than enough. These films are all like every chance you get, man. Get them monsters in there. Get them doing crazy crap. And by the time it's over, you feel exhausted. You don't feel exhilarated. It's just tiring... You're sick yeah. of everybody. You're glad it's over. And uh, this movie wasn't bad, but it d- doesn't fix the mold of what Warner's trying to do with the MonsterVerse or Legendary is trying to do. Right. It, it It's just another step further down the line to being completely disposable and stupid. Uh, I enjoyed Col- Kong Skull Island. I'm just going to throw did you? that out. Yeah, I, I, um, did I did do to a certain... Yeah. That movie too was like, well, let's let's get... Let's get the very best sequence in the movie, like right at the front, so everything's really kind of downhill that. after that. But mm-hmm. but that movie again had a that the storytelling there was had a a drive to it. The thing had a point right. to it. The interactions between the characters had reason. Uh and frankly, uh, from what... a monster movie standpoint, Joel, <laughs> you didn't know you didn't know who was going to get killed by a monster in that movie. And that gave it a little bit of an edge, which was nice and welcome. Correct. And also, you know, here's something, and you've talked about this before. We've talked about it, but I remember it specifically coming from you. Uh, When, when a, when there is a battle sequence uh, or especially between two uh, super beings in this case, Kong and whatever, uh, the, the blows have to hurt. The battle has to take its toll. Right. And um, and that uh, that's that was one to me, that was one of the, uh, you know, again, Kong Skull Island, not a great film, but every time Kong is in a battle, it takes a toll on him. Right. And um, and that to me was very interesting. Uh, was was just kind they, of cool. they show that in this film in Kong versus yeah. Godzilla, but they don't demonstrate it physically that there's not a commitment to showing that it it's more you show him lying there and hurt and you know mm-hmm. but it it it's hard to buy into any of that oh did godzilla kill, kill kong or is he going to appear and save the day when we least expect it i mean it's just it's it's right. cliche after cliche it's yeah. really annoying and i'm i i love ishiro honda's original godzilla film but i admit i'm a there's people out there who love, you know, mm-hmm. Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla and Godzilla versus Space Godzilla and um, Godzilla right. Tokyo SOS. And I mean, there's a, a, the amount of Godzilla movies are there's there's a, a lot of them, 30, 40 of them. And I'm not into those. And this these last two really did pay a lot of tribute, particularly King of Monsters with how it brought these CG mm-hmm. characters to life on screen in a way that was consistent with the original films. I know people appreciate yeah. that, too, but that. 
I appreciate that too, I guess, but that's not enough for me. The the cheap Hollywood disaster story on the ground has to be better. Yeah. Or why are we doing this? <laughs> and it isn't in either of them. Kong Skull Island a little bit better. Uh, the original Godzilla 2004 or whatever, quite a bit better. Or 2011, I can't remember which. Either way, yeah. it those have gotten worse as they go. Each one worse than the one before, except, like I say, tonally, I sort of like this one better. I think the, I think they were trying to have fun with this movie, and I think at certain points that works. Whereas King of Monsters, I don't think that movie was fun at all. Like it was just, just like, it was this big yeah. loud plotting thing with Mothra in it. Right. Uh, all right. Well, uh, speaking of big plotting things, um, let's move on to uh, Mila Jovovich starring in Monster Hunter. Paul Anderson casting his, his wife in another big uh, dumb B movie. But you know what's yeah. great about Monster Hunter is that it get it, that this movie understands that's what it is. It's this silly, stupid, late night monster movie it's the monsters are on the same scale of cgi wonderment as any of these other monsterverse movies we've talked about there's a little less of the monster in it but that's actually that mm -hmm. that you know because of the budget differences but that that actually is great because it makes you have to do something else with your story at some point so a bunch of uh desert warriors from i don't know where iraq afghanistan something like that they drive their humvee caravan through a time portal through a space time portal through a black hole i don't know that do they show up in ancient earth future post-apocalyptic yeah. earth a different planet altogether i can't say um the movie might have even solved those mysteries but i didn't care and so i wasn't paying attention apparently but either way, it, it's as simple as that. It's just things get all blurry and then their cars crash and suddenly they're in a desert with monsters everywhere. And it's fun, man. That movie was really, really fun. I don't know. It's fun. Oh, okay. It's, well, good. It's a big, dumb, stupid monster movie and it really knows that it is and it really gets it. I'm certainly no Mia Jovovich fan. I mean, since the couple of Luke Besson movies where she was really quite interesting the Joan of Arc film and the aforementioned mm -hmm. fifth element, you know, she, she was like, and the, obviously the link letter movie, uh, dazed and confused, like her, uh, confused, her appearance yeah. on the scene felt like an evolution of a movie star. And at some point she stopped being married or dating this creative French guy and, and got into with the King of Schlock, Paul Anderson of mortal Kombat and resident evil fame. Yeah. And, uh, and she's sucked in everything she's been in ever since. <laughs> it's pretty yeah, much pretty as simple much. as that. It, she's just not a draw to something, but she's great. She plays a soldier in this. She plays a silly, super thin, hot chick version of a soldier that you would expect, but it it works. It's a put-on. We're all in on the joke. It's fun. It, that's a fun movie. That I was surprised by how fun it was. And we've praised Paul in the past. I don't like the Resident Evil series like at all. They're a couple. I mean, there's seven of them now, or whatever. There's a couple of them that have their yeah. moments here and there, but as a whole, they're widely not good. And but we, we in our disaster movie, we praised Pompeii, which I think is a fan, again a fantastic late night period disaster film. A really really fun 
while still not just dicking around with its own content. Like it, it goes for it in the best way it can. This is the same. It takes all this ridiculousness, uh, on its own terms. And because of that, it works pretty well. And I won't really ruin the story surprises, but the setup for this is everything. If that sounds like something you'd enjoy it, check it out. It's fun. And it's really, really well choreographed monster action. You know, when you get it, it really is pretty awesome. These giant things, they don't, they don't seem to be impossible. I don't see how these things could live in the desert. What do they eat? I mean, what's the, what's the, the, you know, the food chain. I mean, they don't, you don't see another living creature in the thing. So, but they don't get into that. So whatever. They eat whatever comes through the portal. Um, Boy, so, uh, yeah, boy, okay. do they <laughs> <laughs> They really do uh, do that. That's true. All right. So <laughs> next up is um, the uh, maybe uh, at least at the time it came out, Amazon's uh, biggest like foray into original. I mean, they, they went all in on, on promoting this film. Uh, and that movie well, they, is, uh, the they paid $200 million for it. This film's a $200 yeah. million dollar Skydance Paramount massive production that Paramount, somebody at Paramount woke up one day and was like, nobody's going to go see this. We got to get rid of this thing right. like right now. And so why not turn to a streaming company that has money to burn and... Yep. And will appreciate having something of this scale to say, hey, you can only get it on Amazon, right? And that's yep. that's the story behind the story of how this came to Amazon, which is, and yeah, you bet they pimped it. You, <laughs> they, yep. they paid through the teeth for it. And we are talking about The Tomorrow War, uh, directed by Chris McKay, starring Chris Pratt, Yvonne Strahovski, J.K. Simmons, others, Sam Richardson, Betty Gilpin. Yeah. And the rest, um, and here the on rest, Tomorrow yeah. War. Uh, Tomorrow War is kind of this. There's a portal in Tomorrow War too. Um, mm-hmm. It's really fun. There's just people in modern day sitting there watching the World Cup. Joel, you'll appreciate that. And uh, and then one day on the field, this por- this time portal opens, and Earthlings from our future, our future generations appear. Um, and give us dire warnings of this future where the earth is in uh, all out war for survival with a bunch of alien creatures from another planet. And we need help from the past or we're not going to win. Pretty compelling. Huh? They they should have done it at the Super Bowl, not the world cup, my opinion, but I guess they were going for more international flavor with their message. Yep. Even though they were all Americans and spoke English. Uh, that aside, it's that kind of movie. Don't pick it apart. I mean, unless that's your bliss, just picking every mm-hmm. damn thing apart, then this is the movie for you. So see, you could kind of have it both ways. But you want to be on one side of the spectrum. Really enjoy picking things apart or really just sit back and don't pick everything apart. Because actually this movie, I think it's due to a lot of editing as opposed to clever storytelling, But this, because I think they edited a lot of Johnny the Explainer stuff out of it to get it down to a nice, lean, mean, a little over two hours. Um, mm-hmm. But there's a lot of stuff where, if you think about it, it it's actually 
there's a lot of plot going on that isn't said between these characters because our characters, frankly, aren't privy to what the master plan is. You sort of have to figure that out by the time it's over. And if you give that some thought, it's it's fun to think about. Chris Pratt's adorable in it, family man. I mean, he's what you expect. He's he's awesome when the action kicks up, and he's very funny and charming when it isn't. And he's got a cute, plucky daughter that he has the perfect father-daughter relationship with. And he's got this perfect, beautiful wife. And, you know, he's this action star in this stupid action movie. And that's fun. And I like Tomorrow War, actually. There's a lot to like about it. There's a lot to hate about it. It's not very good. It's a big, loud, dumb action movie with Mm -hmm. aliens. And it's just this whole middle act, which is just tons of automatic weaponry just shooting aliens and running from aliens and and blowing aliens' heads up and blowing the oil tank up that's next to the bunch of aliens and but there's some sacrifice in the movie too um you get to know a few of the characters that that sort of go down fighting and stuff and there's a sort of nefarious conspiracy going on that's fun to sort through and Yvonne Storsky's really, really good actor. She's not really an yep. A-list movie actor, so it's fun to see her in this. People know her from the old TV series Chuck. That was the first time I saw her, the spy show. Yep. And she's in obviously very memorably in the the what's the Hulu show? The Handmaid's Tale. Handmaid's Tale, yeah. So she's fantastic yeah. in that. She's really, really great in this. And her and Pratt have a neat chemistry that it pays off really nicely. So I don't know. It's I, I, I'm having a hard time rating it for you all as a whole. I kind of just gravitate to the moments I really liked. Um, who's the actor uh, from the Werewolf movie? You just mentioned his name. He's really fun in it. Sam Richardson. Yeah, Sam's really great. He's he's. He's really great. He was really great in a much tougher, smaller, but much tougher role in uh, in um, uh, uh, Young Woman, uh, something Young Woman with Carrie Mulligan. Oh, remember. Promising Young Woman. Yeah, he's great in that too. So Sam Richardson, you know, thumbs up. Seen you in the last yeah. couple things I've seen you in, you're, you're fantastic. He's always been yep. good, like on the sitcoms and stuff. Like, I mean, he's a really funny, really good actor. But this was this was fun because these both these roles were something slightly different, and I like to see that, of course. Yeah. But and it pays off in the it although it doesn't compared to something like which cost every penny the same as compared to something like uh, Kong versus Godzilla, it doesn't really feel like it pays off. It feels like where did the money go? You expect some giant huge ending, and what you get is sort of a shootout. But. It's clever. I liked it. I recommend people watch it if they haven't. Unless you just had it with big dumb blockbusters. This is the one of the biggest and one of the dumbest. So, yeah. Well, there you go. I don't know. Did you see this one? I have not seen it yet. No. It, it, it's just one that was like oh, somebody yeah, who's really a little less that. cynical than me. You know, I'd like to hear their opinion because it really is. Right. It really is fun. So. Someday. Yeah, I mean, I'll give it a watch. I, 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 uh, you know, from uh, from all the way back to the Chuck days. I mean, Evan Strahovski um, is uh, um, a very special person in my life, and um, she's got so... a tricky role in it. She's great in it. I, I really yeah. liked her. Those were the that was the section of the movie that I really really liked the most. There's and there's lots of neat things. There's a moment where they're like, "Why are these soldiers sent from the future all kids?" 
I mean, that's weird, isn't it? They're not kids, but they're like 21. Yeah. They're all the same, just sort of young age. And, and one of the characters figures out, you know, because these are all people who haven't been born yet now. And that yeah. nothing comes of that, but those little revelations, like they do add up to something that's interesting. That if you keep paying attention to those as they go through the movie and then ask yourself at the end, because they don't come out and tell you, ask yourself at the end what that was all about and what the plan really was. And it, it's interesting. It's fun. So there was some thought put into this. Like I said, I read online that it wasn't that they were trying to be tricky. They literally just cut that stuff out of the movie because they thought it was dull. <laughs> so it isn't one of those it's letting you figure it out for yourself it's that by accident it's like it decided you wouldn't really care so it just skipped to the action and but what it left behind was this it interest it left behind these story elements that when you really do think of them there's there's been thought that's put into them and that's kind of neat and yeah yvonne's great in it if you like her you should check it out she's only in the middle of it but you should check it out well, there you go. Um, all right. Next category in our 2021 roundup uh, is a rollover Hitchcock. And you put in parentheses in your grave. <laughs> well, uh, nobody so these... quite. It, first of all, we're not even trying to rip off Hitchcock anymore. Right. I mean, that's that's right. So in a way, even a bad Hitchcock ripoff is fun to have in our present because they're not. The 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 classic um, stylized suspense film is just not a thing mm -hmm. that's in our vernacular these days. There used to be right. a ton of these, and and there were all the way through really the early aughts, and then people just kind of didn't go to them anymore. I think right. a lot. I think a lot of that is isn't that people don't like a good thriller. I think people are really really hard harder than anything on a bad mystery suspense film if you make a bad one people the critics everybody just come down on you like a hammer in a way yep. that they don't for something like tomorrow war a film like that is sort of accepted as what it is and you just mm -hmm. if you're a critic you breathe a sigh before you watch it and you just sit through it and evaluate it for what it is a suspense film coming on the shoulders of the titans where all the best filmmakers for a whole generation that's all they did was make these suspense movies um right when they're dumb or when their twists don't work or when, you know what I mean? Or when their movie star starts acting all psycho and weird at the end and makes a fool out of themselves. And they just, they get the hammer, Joel. They really do. And these are no different. We're going to give the hammer to a couple of them, but there's a couple of good ones here too. So go ahead. Yep. Uh, first one is The Woman in the Window with Amy Adams. The most Hitchcockian of the Hitchcock ripoffs is The Woman in the Window. Um, this was directed by, uh, Wright. What's his name? Something. Yeah. Right. Joe, Joe, Joe Wright. Wright yep. Who made some really good movies. He made, uh, we've talked about them before the, he made the, you know, the Kira Knightley Pride and Prejudice, which is a fantastic film. He made the, the, what's the one that came after the world war two one that we talked about. In the uh, Uninterrupted um, Shots movie. Yes. Uh, atonement. Oh my God. Uh, atonement. Yeah. Atonement's tough. Atonement was a really impossible novel to make into a movie properly, so it really falls down there. But mm -hmm. as in terms of filmmaking, it is extremely compelling, and I like it very much in that way. Um, oh, he's doing. He's doing the upcut. He's doing, uh, or he did. Cyrano, the the Peter Dinklage Cyrano that I'm, I'm very, which is coming for. out 
any day now or has yeah. already come out yeah. in one way or another. Um, yeah, so that's interesting. He was. Do, I learned by reading about Cyrano, actually, I learned a little bit about this movie where he just says... He said, you know, he had a, he wanted this to be a, he wanted it, I mean, the, the, the Hitchcockian setup and the style of it definitely is deliberate, but he wanted this to go to a much more brutal survivalist place and mm. the studio balked at that. They approved it and then they wanted him to change it while he was making it. And he said, so what you get Unfortunately, when and which well, what almost always happens when you do a decision like that, what you get is neither. You you don't really get the perfect Hitchcockian bloodless thriller, and you don't really get the the real brutal, you know, mono yeah. mono thing that he wanted. And he said that's and so that in the end, he go, he doesn't think the movie's lousy, but in the end, he says that sort of pleases nobody, and that is sort of the experience of watching. The woman in yeah. the window. There's it. The setup is familiar, and you kind of like it. Amy Adams is it's, fantastic. Mm -hmm. So there's no, it's not nothing she's doing wrong necessarily, but it, it, it. These things have to pay off in a way that horror movies don't, in the way that monster movies don't, in the way that sci-fi movies don't. The, the, those, if they're good enough and they end stupid, we just kind of shrug. If you, your mystery thriller has to stick the landing, it's why they're so hard to do. Or right. everything that comes before it sort of feels useless. And w Woman in the Window doesn't make a fool out of itself in its ending, but it doesn't get there. And so it is a largely disappointing film that has a lot of style and gravitas behind it. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Very, you know, it's, it's the, it's a rear window setup. Just, that's kind of just so everyone kind of knows yeah. what we're talking about. Although it's way, it's much more than that, but that is sort of the setup. Yeah. Yep. yep. Um, all right. Next up is um, it's it's Beckett. It is uh, uh, John David Washington starring um, Fernand, uh, Fernando Cito Marino. Beckett. I loved Beckett. First of all, just oh, okay. uh, read the synopsis. We should do that Following every time. Yep. Yeah, following a tragic car accident in Greece, an American tourist finds himself at the center of a dangerous political conspiracy and on the run for his life. It's really fun. First of all, Greece, not oft filmed, especially in the modern era. And Greece is two different things. It's, it's this journey into nature and the ancient world where Western civilization was founded. And it's this urban gang ridden, filthy crime filled hellhole. <laughs> where mm -hmm. ec the economics of Greece, so you've seen the protest, you've seen cops shooting rubber bullets at people and people starting buildings on fire and stuff like the, the, the economics in Greece are a complicated thing. We get to, a, yes, we get are. to slowly move from one, from this vacation version of it to all the way to the worst neighborhood in Athens by the time the movie's over. And that, that, move through Greece alone was and just shot in this beautiful perfect way was worth it was worth the experience to me now the story itself what it's about what the ultimate payoff is may feel a little this movie doesn't bomb or anything but it, it feels a little hard to grasp you want something some mm -hmm. core carnal thing to go that's what the movie was ah, that's what was happening and you don't really get that you get a little 
you know, whatever. But John David Washington yeah. as man on the run, man, that's perfect. How could you not like that? What did he see? Why are they trying to kill him? What's going on? We never know. You gotta, you gotta like not knowing. Modern audiences don't like not knowing. You gotta like right. not knowing up until the last second, and then you gotta be down with it being kind of, huh? Oh, yeah, <laughs> sure. Um, there's a scene where he has to call. I mean, but there's movies filled. Well, it's filled of all. It's filled with fantastic location shooting and chase scenes and stuff and escape scenes. Really, really outstanding stuff. Uh, it's full of a real parade of bad guys that are are really fun to watch and are playing it. You know, they're playing it real. They're keeping mm -hmm, it real, basically. Mm -hmm. I, that's very fun for me. I like that. But the best scene in the whole thing is he has to call, and I believe it is Michael Stilbarg on the other end of the line, because I recognize his voice, um, who's not credited in the movie or anything. But it, I, he has to call his fiance's father and tell him that she died in this car accident. And that's a spoiler for the film, but it is kind of right there in the setup. And that scene just rips your heart out. It rips your heart out. Mm. He, ultimately, he can't even tell him. So you got this panicked parent on the other line, and eventually he just clams up and can't talk. And it's just horrific. It feels so human and so real and so vulnerable. And I, that movie has that at the core of it. You know, he gets some. He gets some help. He makes some friends along the way. Mm -hmm. Um, and he gets chased and by some really... real awful folks and. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, I think that's I think Greece is really the friends we made along the way. <laughs> uh that's a good it's just a, that's a really good movie of this type. It's a little different. It is Hitchcockian because there's a conspiracy and it is man yeah. on the run and it, the <clears throat> part that really really rings true with those old films is you just don't know. You don't know what is going on ever. Mm -hmm. And even when you find out you've got to kind of put it together a little bit on your own yep what just happened but i i love it sure. washington's just i mean he's the he's the bomb i i love yeah. watching him and stuff and this is even this is perfect because he's got to do some talking but mostly he's just running around and trying not to get shot and looking exasperated and that's it's an exhausting <laughs> project you know tom cruise is really good at that it's probably what he's best at right just right. Right. being freaked out and being chased <laughs> this is like a this is washington you know i mean that's what he's really cruz is really good at that his best movies that's what they are basically um yeah. washington's really great at that too it's a movie star like performance in a age where the movie star really isn't a thing uh and certainly even if you had a, 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 a even if tom cruise had done this movie it, it wouldn't have been enough so these are films that need movie stars to sell them and you can't eat it and even a movie star can't sell them, right. if that makes any sense. So, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Well, very cool. All right. Well, in uh, the way John What's it called again, David... it's got a weird name. Beckett. Beckett. Yeah, the name of the character. Yeah. It was called something yeah, else, the the and then they changed it to Beckett, which is another name, which is the name of another really famous period drama. So it's weird, right? But right. whatever. Um. It was it was originally titled "Born to Be Murdered," which is pretty um, terrible title. Beckett's probably that's a not a good title, yeah. Uh, Beckett. Well, in the way John David uh, Washington is the son of Denzel Washington, our next movie is called "My Son." Oh, how, my son! How is that? How is that? How is that for a transition? That was 
That was, it was pretty labored, but I had to go. I had oh, to you did. It. You got there though. That's hard. Okay. Sometimes right, they're labored. Stop. All right. Sometimes yeah. they're right. labored. Right. So next up, I don't yeah, have a problem is... with that as long as you get to get to the next thing. Man. <laughs> um, All right, my son. Uh, this one is uh, James McAvoy and Claire Foy driving in the heart of the Highlands. Uh, Edmund Murray receives a call from his ex-wife in tears. Their seven-year-old son went missing from a campsite. Soon it becomes clear that the child was kidnapped, and the parents give way to despair. This is good. Sounds sounds hilarious. <laughs> this is Ooh, I mean boy. Scotland, you know, again, I these are the sort of things I still really like. Scotland through the lens, the lakes, the roads, the hills. Um, it's exotic and it takes you to this place you've never been, and it takes this city guy played by James McAvoy into this world that resents him very much to begin with, let alone the fact mm -hmm. that he's trying to hunt down the people that kidnapped his son. Um, the gimmick with this movie, and it is a gimmick movie in the end. So whatever's great about it gives way to the gimmick. That's a problem mm. with a gimmick movie, but it's also kind of what's great about it. What's cool about it is that McAvoy was not told what was happening. He knew what he was investigating, but when someone came to his door and started giving him news, he improved his way through this entire movie, not knowing how it was going to end. And oh, wow. the, the idea behind, and you, first of all, you need a really, really good actor to pull that off. Uh, McAvoy's really, really good. At, uh, on the other hand, Claire, who knows everything, is really, really good at pushing another actor's buttons. Um, who's the actor who plays the cop in it? He's been in lots of stuff. He was he was with uh, McAvoy. Gary Lewis is that is that Gary, Gary Lewis? Lewis uh, Gary yeah. Lewis and James know each other really well. They don't the characters don't know each other in this movie, but they did several movies together. Most recently, they oh, were yeah. in His Dark Materials together, where they were yeah. professor and assistant. Um, mm -hmm. Gary plays this cop who's <laughs> what's going on with him? Like it's just so acting is reacting, and the idea being that if you don't know what the hell's going on, or you don't know what's around the every next corner, then your reacting is going to seem more real. And perhaps they managed that. I think good acting is pulling off that being surprised when you do know what's going on. And I think yeah. we've seen that hundreds of times, so I don't know that I feel like the gimmick takes away from this story because it just, it, it, I, I don't feel that when I'm watching it, but I just feel deep down that knowing that that's what I was watching the whole time. And instead of taking it on its own terms. So as a movie, I don't, I'm not sure how good it is as an experiment. It's remarkable how good it turns out. Mm -hmm. That's this deal with my son, short, quick kidnapping thriller. It's a, as Joel said, the description plays fair with you. It's a dark, uh, serious one for sure. Um, even compared to Beckett, which has got a real dark soul, this movie is, you know, a child in danger and the seedy side of the world that he comes across in his hunt is really, really ugly. Yeah. And but, but just lovingly made and. And pretty well acted by the principals uh, with a special shout sure. out to Gary Lewis, who's always really good, but doesn't really get yep. to be awesome like he is in this very often. If you don't remember uh, Gary Lewis, that was the dad and Billy Elliot. Uh, ah, the, there you the, go. Sure. So, so spectacular. In, uh, there you in go. Billy yeah. Elliot. So I, I'm um, 
not a huge Billy Elliot fan. I only saw it the one time, but that probably his signature role because that that's yeah, a movie his, where yeah, he really and, does get to bite it all off and chew it up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, all right. Next up is the movie Run um, with Sarah Paulson. A homeschooled teenager begins to suspect her mother is keeping a dark secret from her. Holy Moses. Run. Run is a modest little basically two person and a bunch of strangers thriller. But Run gets it all right from top to bottom, to, from the beginning to the end. The the uh, the girl, what's her name? That the main Kira, the, Kira Allen, so good, and uh, Kristen Wiig's off the hook fun in it, and it is a fun but very harrowing mystery suspense film that just nails it. <laughs> it really is awesome. Um, you know, I didn't give it. 10 stars or anything it's just it's ambitions are are very simple but but what it does it it just uses it's what you want you want to you want to have these movies are all in the premise and this premise doesn't even doesn't even get close to what it even is which is great i'm not going to get any closer because i just feel like I watched Run not really knowing what it is. You know something's up. Mm -hmm. Kristen looks very ominous on the movie's poster, so she's probably not. Sarah. Sarah Sarah Paulson. Sarah Paulson, sorry. Yeah, sorry, yeah. I get them mixed up all the time. I knew I was talking about Sarah Paulson, but I I get her and Kristen Wiig mixed up. Did you say say Kristen Wiig? Yeah, no, yeah. Sarah Paulson, Kara Allen. Sarah Paulson. Sorry, Uh, Sarah. My, My apologies. It's your fault a little bit for the American Horror Story stuff. We'll talk about that later. Um... You're awesome in this. You're awesome in it. You're exactly the right actor. The only other actor I could imagine in this role is Kristen Wiig. <laughs> uh, it's fun. I don't uh, know what to say. I can't. I don't want to ruin it. it it's well. No. Nope. Okay. Very cool. If you're yeah. looking for okay. a fun, intense, you know, a, a mystery, like this is it. This is the one. This is the one from last year. You should watch Run, and it's really from two years ago, actually. But it, right. You know like Halloween of 2020, I think was roughly when this came out. But uh, this is the one. This is the one. If you like the way I sold Beckett, great. If you like the idea and think it's fascinating behind my son, cool. Uh, But this is the one that does it all to a T. And we've got a bunch of more different types of mysteries. This is the Hitchcockian one. Again, I can't even say why. That's the hard thing. With a good thriller, you kind of don't want to ruin the conceit very cool our hero finds very, it very out cool. slowly over the course of the movie so I, you know awesome alicia vikander um, dies in the first act of beckett you know i already spoiled that but i feel like that's the setup that's where the movie changes you know yeah. up until that point it's a really annoying movie about a modern relationship on vacation when that happens and the reasons why are, are what what the thing pivots on this movie mm-hmm. I can't even really tell you what's happening at the start of it. You should figure it out for yourself. Yeah. Fun. It's weird. I mean, it, the weird thing about Beckett is at the beginning when they're just on vacation and they keep uh, like running into uh, all the people at, like Meryl Streep and them just like singing so- ABBA songs. It is stuff. weird. It's very weird. It's very weird. And then it takes a hard turn. Very off putting uh, the ABBA songs. <laughs> <laughs> uh all right moving on our next category uh is this i it's, this is a mouthful franchise non-restarters i like abba <laughs> a lot joel but i don't like pierce brosnan I know, like, singing ABBA. Uh, i would agree with you wholeheartedly that's not cool um and i like pierce brosnan uh, a lot 
Yeah. It's the combo um, where we are taken straight to hell in a handbasket. There's a, there, there is a, a singular moment that no matter whatever happens um, uh, in Mamma Mia, the, the moment where um, Pierce Brosnan and um, it's, this is the very, very end of the movie uh, where they're in Waterloo seeing uh, Pierce Brosnan and, um, um, and, oh my God, uh, the three guys. Say, I'll just say the three guys. Peter Skarsgård, uh, or Stellan Skarsgård, and Colin Firth, and, and, uh, and Bruce Brosnan, uh, marching across the screen in their ABBA outfits uh, is uh, one of the singular greatest things I've ever seen. It's fun. And I'm and I'm so happy it was captured on film. All right, moving on. Franchise it's fun. Hey, Mamma Mia is fun, no doubt. But it, yeah, you guys think... Good. You it's guys think Russell Crowe is a bad singer, you know, for Oof, real. Yeah. Pierce Brosnan. Woof. Wow. Yep. Um, all right. Franchise non-restarters. Uh, we're going to, um, do, do you want to we do that, that next title or a little bit? What do we have coming up? I mean, we're, uh, I mean, we're, we're about, good. We're about an mean, hour we're, and 20 minutes into the show. Yeah. We're about an hour 20. So we have a uh, friend we can talk about. Um, we are moving through the, these slowly. The hardest... We warned you. Yep. We warned you we yep. were going to move. Oh yeah, this is yeah, and we're you know we're gonna we can talk about the one of the hardest working men in show business, Liam Neeson. <laughs> no, uh, no, we, we don't want to talk end about with some Liam. more. Uh, we can talk about some more mystery and suspense, and we could go to comic book heroes. Uh, um, we better uh, save we, comic book heroes, or people will just turn off the show and skip three episodes yep. ahead. Um, um, all right, we could also Re- do. We could also do. Based on the incredible true story, we could do that category too. That's uh, that's right in here as well. Um, or we could talk about family films. We could talk about some war and politics. Hey, let's talk about family films since that's nothing like that has been on the show so far. All right, sounds good. Let's talk about some family films that are not based on the incredible true story. I don't no, there's a couple of these are just... based on the incredible true story. <laughs> I just needed to, I just wanted the sounder here. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, first up then, family adventure grab bag. Uh, finding <laughs> Ohana. Uh, Hawaiian, it's like the, it's the setup's like the Goonies kind of, not exactly. Instead of being kicked out of their beloved hometown and, 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 discovering a hometown legend these are Mm -hmm. a bunch of new york kids they're of hawaiian descent but they're they're new yorkers who move to hawaii or visit hawaii i guess they visit hawaii and they get in touch with their hawaiian roots by following this hawaiian treasure hunt legend um this movie is kind of crappy but it's very winning anyway there's it's really just crappily made i hate to say that because i know we said it before on the show a lot goes into making these movies and it's not easy to make them so they just make visual sense there's a couple movies on our list one beloved one that's coming up where they just they were just didn't know what they were doing like it's like they right. never watched another movie before um at first you're like oh this movie's going for something different but eventually a movie like that makes you just want to spit your teeth out at the end at least me yeah. So this movie doesn't have any of those problems. It's just it's it feels like a TV show to me. It's it's what I, I I heard treasure hunt, you know, adventures in the jungles and caves of Hawaii, and I just got really excited. I'm yeah. like, yes, I'm it does watch sort that. of it does. Yeah, it does sort of uh, feel like a, a sort of a Goonies sort of thing. Um, it does have one of my favorite actors in it, Mark Evan Jackson. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, so that's, yeah, Jude, Jude Wang and uh, written by Christina Strain. Um, but the but, yeah. but the family drama part of the story is cheesy, cheap TV family drama. And the treasure hunt part of the story is like MacGyver-esque in terms of its set design and, and it and the puzzles that have to be solved. It's all very not great. And yet it's a lovely it's actually a lovely family movie. So that none of that stuff quite has to work perfectly or be shooting for the stars for it to be awesome. It really just it has to these kids, which they are, have to be buying into what's happening, which they totally are and are being encouraged to do. That's great. Thumbs up for that. And you mm -hmm. just you have to care. And there's a there's a there's a sweetness to it that I just made me not be so critical of the rest of it. And when you can sort of yep. achieve that, because that's a magic thing that you can try and plan for, but it's hard to just make happen. And it makes whatever its drawbacks as a actual, you know, action film or mystery film, or it's an adventure film is what the term I should use. Uh, not matter so much in the end, I guess. Sure. Sure. Um, all right. And there's Next, some fun uh, jokes in it. There's some fun timing and stuff, but very, it's a movie. And to me, it, the movie's got to kind of should try and rise above just a decent TV sure. show episode worth of humor sure. and humanity. But yeah, that fun. is, I, I will say, I mean, yeah, Netflix original, yeah, when Netflix does original films, they, they have not nailed the family film yet. It's yeah, hard. This yeah. was a good one. Yeah. This is well received. People really, really like it. There's a lot of really great. The other thing that's great about it is there's a lot of really great cultural information in it that is delivered right. to you in a really fun and palatable way. It, it doesn't. You don't feel like you're at a lecture about like Hawaiian history or anything. And sure, I think yeah. I think it taps into. Uh, 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 you know, I don't. Um. A, just a sort of believable family situation from a group of, of Hawaiian natives. Like mm -hmm. it's hard to explain. I don't want to say, Oh, this is what they're all going through, but it, it, you know, it, it, you buy into the given circumstances of the thing, which isn't, which sometimes are just stupid, especially in a cheesy treasure hunt film. Well, that's cool. I mean, I like, uh, I like the, the history of Hawaii is fascinating and how it came to be a, uh, 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 you know, part of the United States. Um, uh, my, one of my, I, my, one of my favorite books, some of my favorite authors, Sarah Vowell has a, a book called Unfamiliar Fishes, which is all about that. Um, and, it's, and it's fascinating. So yeah, this might be, this might be pretty cool. Um, all right. The, the real test of it would be, would, would a kid like it? And I have no yeah. idea. They yeah. might, or they might really be bored with it. It's really tough for me to know. I'm not, tapped in with kids it's for the whole family so it worked on that level with me but mm -hmm. would it work with a kid and that that's really does where it, it's going to win or lose i think does it have a flatulent ne'er-do-well it does not okay see well there you go i think that's we're gonna uh, we may run into a flatulent ne'er-do-well drug deliverer yeah, well, I, you know, I was a, it's a kid's movie, so I didn't know if it would, you know, we wouldn't have a drug deliverer. Um, all right, next up is um, uh, my, my favorite part about the, the poster for Togo is that you don't know who has more intense eyes, Togo the dog or Willem Dafoe. 
um, and it's uh, it's it's a wonderful poster of two uh, beastly beings. The best um, thing about Togo is finally, after low these many years, Togo was almost a part of our dog lovers show. It almost was. I yeah, I I, I pitched it, not having ever seen it. I just thought no, oh, but it's got a, a really lover. really good reputation. Um, yeah. it has a really really high rating on. But the best thing about Togo, besides the great filmmaking, besides the human survival story, besides the dog is a star all of which are recipes for a fantastic film if you're if you're a dog survival loving history buff um the best thing about it is finally a movie has come around that craps all over balto and it's about well, damn there you time go. because balto time. it tells the story of balto except balto was this dog that didn't do much it did its part but because of a mistake in reporting by the by the newspapers that were covering this, became this hero dog and got his own cartoon and got all right. this stuff. And he didn't even really do anything. You know who did it, Joel? Togo. That's correct. It's Togo. Togo did the wow. heavy lifting. And otherwise, it's basically the same story, except it's live action. Sure. And you uh, know what it is. Yeah. You know what it is. Mm. based on the incredible true story it is yeah. and it really is an incredible story <laughs> it's it's uh, it, it's amazing it's a miracle it's one of you know it's one of those nature movies it's a modern one okay it's just not never cry wolf or it's not anything deep and meaningful like that but yeah it's a rescue story with sled dogs and uh you know these alaskan people who are used to this sort of thing going on what they kind of know is an impossible mission and the mechanics with that. And then just the good and bad luck that they have on the way. The digital dog is great um, because it's partly yep. a real dog and partly a digital dog. And that helps. I think the, we lamented the digital dog in um, the otherwise fantastic Alaskan survival dog story uh, with Harrison Ford. What's that one called? Uh, 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 Call of the wild. Call of the Wild, yeah. That yeah. dog's just too digital, you know? It, it just... It, it. I don't mind that it's a digital dog, but you just can't have it reacting in the moment to everything that's happening on screen because that's... Even if you get the dog reactions right, that's just something a dog doesn't do. Sometimes the dog's disengaged. Dogs are animals. They're not like us. They're not... They don't understand what you're saying to them. <laughs> right. So when you see that recognition on a dog's face, it just... And you see it 25 times during a movie, it doesn't ring true. This film yep. gets that balance, man. It gets it perfectly right. It uses all the modern storytelling tools to tell a very harrowing and fun story. And I, I adored Togo. I watched uh, these two movies together, Finding Ohana and Togo, and they made for a great double feature in that order, in my opinion. If oh, you probably, cool. and I don't think any of you have families that you can get to sit down for four hours and watch sit in one place, but yeah. But I, I just Unless, pointing out uh, that as a thing, you know, at these two, you know, Alaska and Hawaii, these two faraway things that are American still somehow. It, it, yeah. It, it, they were, they were neat. They were thematically linked really only by that, but that still was cool. So. Yeah. I mean, on, yeah, unfortunately if it doesn't have accordions or, um, or Harley Davidson's in it, I, I don't know if I could get my son to, uh, to hang out and watch these for four hours, but 
that doesn't mean I can't. Um, I'm not 100% sure that Togo doesn't have an accordion in it at some point. It might. Yeah. I, just I don't think it. it does, but I like yeah. the same, same with Sonic Hedgehog. Like I'm I mean, not hundred percent sure it's not in there somewhere. It wouldn't surprprise me, you know, 1925, uh, 1925, Alaska, yeah. you know, you gotta have something that, you know, at some point you're going to enter a, a really of a more of a harmonica type thing. situation, but that's yeah. not to say that yeah. an accordion didn't make its way north. Could, could be, could be a, bas- a possible concertina where it's a little bit smaller, a little bit more portable. Um, all right. Next up is uh, Disney's, um, you know, one of their again, sort of their. Uh, let's take a look at the uh, at the villains in the Disney universe, and let's sort of figure out how we got there. Um, and that is uh, Disney's Cruella. Yeah, Cruella origin story. You know, it doesn't really tell you how they got there. You can see the pieces of it, but the Cruella at the end of the movie is not the Cruella we know. So the, this film's weird in that it doesn't get you there at all. Mm, okay, She's the hero of the story, and the movie does not have the balls to turn her into a villain before her eyes. And to me, it's a, for a family movie, it's in my family movie section. It's pretty, it's pretty dark. There's some pretty awful murders they're again, they're bloodless family murders, but they're really awful if you think through what they actually are. And and uh, you know, it does capture some of the fun magic of it, the the design world, and the it's it's very it has a lot of very fun cartoonish touches. Um, Emma Thompson's sort of a fun bad guy who who again refuses to go too over the top and be silly, and I think that's welcome in this. Um, and who's the other Emma in it? Uh, Emma Stone, Emma Thompson, and yeah, Emma Stone. Uh, Emma Stone, Emma obviously, Stone. Yeah. really, really good. And so she's she's well cast in this part, and I think it's is fun. And her gang is fun, but it never the movie. This movie never really breaks into. I mean, this is me talking as an adult. I know at least one little girl really loved this. So, if, so it, it, if it made one little girl happy, hey. No problem. Uh, you oh, know, there you go. I saw that Halle Berry Wonder Woman or Catwoman movie I, with a person I was dating at the time. And it was just us and these two, uh, like, uh, black girls, these teenagers. And they loved that movie. <laughs> and I'm so grateful they were there because I don't mean it was just us. Yeah. I mean, it really was just us. And, of course, we hated it like everybody else did. Cause it's terrible, but them yeah. whooping it up and them like in every, you know, I'm going to punch you line or every sort of take that they were so into all of it. <laughs> and I, when I left that movie and I, to this day, I refuse to hate it. Cause I'm like, God, any movie that made those two kids super right. happy like that, like it can't be <laughs> pure evil. It just can't be. Yeah. Um, but it is as rotten as a movie like that can get. Uh, this movie's nowhere near as bad. It's very accomplished. It just, I don't, it just doesn't. It it doesn't seem to deliver on that promise that Joel just said. How did you become Cruella? It shows you the steps along the way, but it doesn't give you an evolution of that kind. It can't, you know. It really can't. That mm-hmm. woman from the Hundred and One Dalmatians is probably the, for my money, 
is probably the best, coldest-hearted Disney villain that there is. I'm really having sure. a hard time. Of all the princesses and of all the evil witches and all the, you know, Cruella is just cruel and awful to the core. And we just don't approach anything resembling that in that this film. You get a little bit of it from Emma, but you really do feel like Cruella's the tonic for that. And if that's true, then what is this movie? I'm not really sure. Right. Sure. It, it's tough, you know, because the 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 Dalmatians are the Dalmatians in it are dicks, which you'd expect <laughs> that that would be sort yeah, of well, part of the yeah part of the thing for Cruella. But it, it there isn't anything like that to glom onto, which makes it a really weird and interesting curio of a film. And it goes for and I don't say this very often. Movie fans, Joel and Ryan know there's you can't stick an extra twenty minutes in a movie that I won't watch and be happy about. I feel like even if it's not necessary, it it somebody wrote it at some point and you shot it, and if it's good, and the movie the movies tends to be better for it because it tends to round things out a little bit better. This movie's two hours and twenty sure. minutes, and it's thirty minutes too long. Really, it just really oh, wow. it gets quiet and dull and ponderous for large chunks of time. That made it mm. me struggle to keep my attention, but but mm. it was a reasonable hit for Disney. It did come out in theaters, played pretty yeah. well there, and played really really well on streaming. So I don't want to just say it's awful because it isn't. It's really well made. Like the, some right. of these movies were like, I got a lot of heart, but it really looks like butt. This is the opposite. This movie's struggling to find what it is, but it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. It's it's prettier than any. Tim Burton movie, for example, sure. and yet it has oh, that sense cool. of artifice that's just glorious to look at in every shot. So I like that part of it. Yeah. All right. Next up is another Disney film, and this one is based on the incredible truth theme park ride. Based on the incredible true theme park ride. <laughs> yeah. um, and it is uh, um, it is Jungle Cruise. Uh, based on the theme park ride where a small riverboat takes a group of travelers through a jungle filled with dangerous animals and reptiles, but with a supernatural element. Thing about Jungle Cruise, Jungle Cruise is uh, on par with Cruella in terms of my reaction to it. But the thing about Cruella is tough. I'm I'm having a hard time. Like I'm articulating what I find unsatisfying about it, but I don't have mm -hmm. any solutions for that movie. Mm -hmm. I really don't. I don't. I don't know Cruella. I haven't crawled into her and tried to figure her out. You know, like from that point of view, that film was, had a lot of foreign ideas to me and I had things that I could learn and experience in that. Jungle Cruise, on the other hand, this is my kind of movie. If there's a movie about any sort of Jungle Cruise, I've seen it. And I feel like I know I gotta exactly. I got to say, I didn't Exactly. I got to say, I don't, didn't know that about you. Well, I'm a, my favorite movie is what? Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? My favorite sure, movie yeah. template is the adventure film, and this is a jungle sure. adventure. Okay. And, and this is a jungle adventure. Sure. Any jungle that adventure sense. that comes out. And I've been really, really kind it's to some very dubious ones on the show before. And I'm and spoiler alert, I'm gonna be in the end, we're gonna be pretty kind to Jungle Cruise because it's really, really fun and gets gets a ton of what the a kind of move this movie should be right. What this movie where this movie falls down for me, and let's just get it out of the way early, is it's got all this Pirates of the Caribbean, like supernatural bullshit in it. And that stuff ruins it every time it's around. You don't need all that. The bad guys don't mm -hmm. need to be 
uh, CGI versions of whatever part of the landscape that they've become. Like it's, it's just like the, uh, you know, the, um, Davy Jones's crew, basically that's, that it's exactly that. It's not just kind of that mm. it is that. And that is that while great in that pirates, of the Caribbean movie, uh, maybe not great, but functional and an important part of the story in this, right. it's just a way to make the thugs, more magical, more expensive, more stupid on screen. And it, it takes the danger out of the movie. Mm. It, it introduces, I don't mind a little supernatural. Like I say, I don't mind when it shows up at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark at all. I'm, I'm all in at that point. What I don't like is having it right. sprinkled throughout in unnecessary ways before it becomes something that's meaningful. That's too bad. Mm. Um, Jesse Plemons is the <laughs> delightful villain in it. He's, I don't like smiley, happy villains. I really hate Kevin Bacon, for example, in um, uh, X Men First Class. I can't First stand Class, yeah. that kind of character. I just and even and Ke Kevin doesn't do it wrong. It, it, it there's only one way to do it. So when it shows, so I don't think Jesse Plemons is like all hundred percent better than Kevin Bacon. It's just this, this movie took that idea and really came up with something that pretty much works every time. He's extremely wow. dangerous, self-centered German sort of explorer guy who just, just mows through people and feelings and limbs and whatever to get what he wants. <laughs> and he does it with yeah. this cheesy sort of happy guy sort of attitude. And it's, it's the second best jungle adventure happy villain that i've ever seen the best still to this day and i, I know this movie's not that great the mm -hmm. best still to this day is treat williams in the uh, the phantom holy smokes is that guy hilarious everything that comes out of his mouth is magic this isn't <laughs> quite like that but this dude is this, have you ever seen the phantom with billy zane oh yeah 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 he has a line in it where he there's a bunch he runs into these old pirates and he's like hey he recognized them as fellow villains, and he's like, hey, this is perfect. I, I am just the man suited to uh, see us into the future with a bold vision. And you guys can represent the old guard of grizzled scallywags and pegged leg beats. <laughs> he's just, he's positive yeah. the whole time. And that, there's a creepiness in that. The more carnage that piles up, that winning positive attitude like really gets horrific at a and certain point if you do it I, right uh that makes me very excited because i can absolutely picture jesse oh, clemens with the pith uh, helmet and, and the german accent yeah. i mean it's it's cheesy and stupid but it is a delight and yeah. uh the rock is great in it obviously the the movie secret weapon is emily blunt and her the mm -hmm. character who plays her brother very much right out of the mummy truly she's a really smarter right. than everybody else character she's not a klutz or anything like that that's that cheesy but they're they are those characters from the brandon fraser mummy films and this right. movie really is more that than something as cool as raiders in the lost ark but the reality is it, it it's it's so close to being grounded and something you could buy into even with the cheesy lines you know the i the jungle cruise at walt disney world is uh, pretty much my favorite ride. And the thing that's fun about it is the guy taking you on the cruise has all these cheesy jokes and puns and stuff. And The Rock 
does that throughout the film. And I love him with Humphrey Bogart's hat on. And I mean, yeah. it's a great role for Dwayne Johnson. Really, really is awesome. And Emily's like a perfect foil for him because she's, because she's, um, she's a magic creature in film. She's really able to, she's the best. Oh my God. She's, so she, good. you know, she can take stage when it's her turn to do that, but what she's really, and all really good movie stars do that. But what she's really good at is hanging back, being the sidekick to this guy and letting him do his thing and having everything she does bring validity and you know what I mean? And connection, human connection to, mm -hmm. to that. And that, elevates Dwayne Johnson in this movie. And even when they did their interviews together, when they were on the press junket for this film, you could just tell that chemistry was fun and real. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's an, uh, that alone with all the other dumb trappings and all the other dumb wrong turns that this film takes that alone carries the day. You know, it, there's plenty of fun action in it. There's plenty of weird exotic animals. There's lots of humor, you know, it, what, it's what you expect. Uh, I think that the, I really wish that the supernatural in this film was handled a little bit more like it is in Finding Ohana, where there's this, is it magic? Is it not? What is it? You know, what is the meaning yeah. behind it? This film misses the boat on that, which is no pun intended, which is too bad. Um, and and it loads it up with other CG trappings that it just flat out doesn't need. You should have put more money into the waterfalls and the stuff that you wanted to feel real in the movie and just let those Spanish guys, even if we find out they're ghosts at the end, you know, just let mm -hmm. them be bad guys that are menacing and scary and you, you didn't do that. And because of that, it's saved a little bit by Plemons because to me, he really is scary to me. Genuinely. He's a, he's a creepy bad guy. He's a creepy bad guy. There is no, there is nothing, nobody he's related to. There is no child mm -hmm. or living creature on this planet. He will not gladly trample over to get what he wants. And that, and that is, that is creepy and scary. And that comes, that part ends great. But Edgar Ramirez, you know, he had this fantastic actor to do this other sort of mystery part mm -hmm. of the story, and you, it is pooped on that. That that alone's yeah. not enough to ruin it, but sure, it's enough that you were making the mummy again. You should have stuck to that, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Although that had plenty of supernatural right from the get go too. This movie's nowhere near as dark and creepy and murdery as the mummy is, but it it has its moments. Sure. I'm getting too um, uh, getting too into the woods on Jungle Cruise. Jungle Cruise is fun. <laughs> it's fun. Look at the poster, well, man. Does that look fun? Yeah. Do it. That's yep. my advice Our to you. If it doesn't, hippos... if, if you look at it and go, I don't know about this, then don't watch it. How could you possibly yeah. like it? Are the hippos jerks in it? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, and matter of fact, elite, one character that's... has to learn the hard way that hippos are jerks. So as a yeah, as good. a nature public service message. That's pretty good because cartoon hippos, of course, are our friends and we love them. And they're these huggable, yeah. wonderful purple pals and hippos in real life are the one of the deadliest creatures on earth. They kill more people yep. than alligators in the jungle. So Correct. watch out for the hippos, man. They're badass. Correct. Yeah, I like uh, badass right. hippos. Best badass hippos since Congo. Another terrible jungle yeah. adventure movie that I also enjoy. 
we could go on and on. <laughs> oh, well, maybe that'll be a countdown. Top uh, top five jungle. This uh, movie helps because it gets a night. We haven't had one in a long time. It oh. gets it gets it gets a modern blockbuster in the conversation, which I think is helpful. There you go. Um, all right. You remember Jasper and Cruella? You yep. know, her, uh, yeah. Well, he is also in our final film in this category. Uh, it is a boy called Christmas. Oh, boy, we should have ended with Juggle Cruise. I was really excited about that one. Um, boy called Christmas, Christmas fantasy movie. I really like this movie. Um, I didn't love it because it's just stupid, but it, I liked it because it was, it really felt like a live action Rankin and Bass film. Oh, okay. And it felt a little drugged up and weird, like their stories do. You know, we all know Rudolph and the ones where the story was already there for them. They tend to knock those out of the park. But when they tried to tell the origin story of Jack Frost or they tried to do these other sort of different stories, they made some really, really weird, weird, weird things. This movie has a lot of weirdness to it that's really fun. It's got a weird little murderous pixie in it. Um, it's got a trek, you know, it's a mission story to the, to the North pole. It's sort of a Santa Claus origin story or, a, you know, father Christmas mm-hmm. origin story, but it's got a lot of the British versions of that idea in it rather than the sort of more Western commercialized versions of it. And it's beautiful as a, as a CGI fantasy with all the fake towns and fake snowstorms. And it's really, really neat. Um, also, uh, this also this, who tells the story in this one? It's it's another dame, Maggie. right? Maggie, Dame Maggie. Yeah, Meg. Ma- yeah, that's right, Maggie Smith. She's she's great, and she's the narrator. She's telling her her uh, grandkids um, this this story, and it's it's really lovely. I mean, I I, I genuinely liked it. It's extremely Christmassy. So. You know, my advice is if you skipped it this Christmas, save it for next Christmas. It's not too long. Um, I think once it gets rolling, because, you know, Maggie Smith's like her daughter is dead and she's visiting her son-in-law and kind of babysitting for his kids. So there's this there's this that's in it. You know, that there's no reason Mm -hmm. that has to be in it, except that the story wants to be. It wants to have some sense of loss and some sense of, you know, whatever in it. So there's some. the movie doesn't have a happy ending for everybody. I guess we just should say it's very English in that sense too, but it is a really lively Christmassy fantasy fantasy. Toby Jones. Um, who plays the pixie girl, man? She just cracked me up whenever she was on screen. Uh, I having not seen it. I don't know. Um, let's see. Uh, is the character named Moppet? Could be. That makes sense. Uh, I am. I Omita Garrick. Maybe possibly. Um, uh, Sorry, see here. fans out there, to end on this note of not knowing somebody's name. She's really I mean, fun. Kristen Wig. Kristen Wig's in it. So uh, yeah, Isabella not her. Kristen Wig's the evil stepmother uh, in the story yeah, within oh, the story. Oh, fun. Sure, it's not Sarah Paulson. Um, this one, I mean, this one legit says Kristen Wig. Nice, but of course, it might be, might indeed be. Um, Sarah Paulson. Uh, yeah, there's, I mean, she's a fair, Kristen Wiig's fun in it. She's again, because she kind of refuses to be, she really, 
she really finds the person in this per, in this evil stepmother character right out of Hansel yeah. and Gretel, truly. Um, and that's not easy to do. It's fun to see, you know what I mean? So, sorry, I don't mean to yep. get Sarah and Kristen mixed up, but I truly do get them mixed up. I really do. You can you you can do one of those someday. I'll try not to do too much research, but you can do, is it Kristen Wiig or is it Sarah Paulson? And I'll probably score only slightly better than 50% on it. I think people can be looking for I was watching that. I was watching The Martian, for example, and I thought I was watching Sarah Paulson until about halfway through it. Well, well there you it's go. It's the kind of role oh. she would play and then the way she would play it. I really believe that. Yep. So uh, even yep. though I'm embarrassed to get that wrong, um I there's there's a reason behind it. They do those two do trick me sometimes. <laughs> uh all right. Well that is gonna do it. For part two of our uh, year in review 2021, I mean, we got some fun stuff. Like, like you heard on some, we have some, uh, we have some. Based on the incredible true story. We have comic book films. We have. Based on the incredible true story. Ripped from the headlines edition. And we have some, uh, we have some crime that thrillers. That alone will be fun. The distinction yeah. between based on the incredible true story and ripped from the headlines is an important one that we'll have to make. It really the show. is. Yes. Uh, then we also we have, have uh, mystery. We have uh, crime thrillers and crime dramas. <laughs> yep. That's a difference. Uh, we, have, we have some musicals we get to talk about. Oh, that's going to be uh, fun. Yeah, I'm very excited for that. Art for art's sake, big time talkers. Uh, yeah, we have some sci-fi, some high concept sci-fi and low fidelity sci-fi. I like those two category titles. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, but that, and, you know, so that's what we have coming up. So we have lots of movies we still have to get through. And you know what? You know, hey, we're all just still trying to get by, trying to stay healthy, trying to make ends meet and keep our sanity here. So we are gonna continue to just sort of work our way through these films. And uh, yeah, join us next week for, uh, for 2021 in review. Take that, Bolto. Thank you for listening to The Movie Show with Joel and Ryan. Remember, all views and opinions represented in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the speaker and do not represent those people, institutions, or organizations that the speaker may or may not be associated with, unless explicitly stated. None of these views and opinions were intended to malign or deceive. And now, here's the producers, circa 1982, to play us out.